0: Welcome to
1: the church. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church.
0: Welcome to the church.
1: Welcome to the church. Welcome to
0: the church. Welcome
2: to the church. Welcome to the church.
0: Welcome to the church. Welcome to the church.
2: You're listening to a message from the Pentecostal Church in Normal, Illinois. We're thrilled to have you spending time with us today. But before we dive in, we have a request that can help us make these messages easier for others to find. Our purpose in making these messages available is to help share the message of Christ. We want to do our best to honor God, to love people, and discover truth. This podcast is one way we try to live that mission out. If you want to help be a part of that, there is one simple thing you can do. Leave us a review. Whether you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other platform, taking a moment to leave a review and rating can help this podcast to reach a wider audience. Here's how you can do it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, simply search for the Pentecostal Church Normal Illinois, click on our show, and scroll down to the ratings and reviews section. There, you can tap on the stars to rate us and write a brief review. On Spotify, you can follow us and share your thoughts in the review section or on Google Podcasts, click on the podcast page, scroll down to the rate and review section. Your reviews not only brighten our day, but they also help these potential listeners discover our podcast. If you found these messages helpful, please consider leaving us a review. It's a small gesture that means the world to us in our mission. Thank you for being a part of our podcast community and thank you in advance for your support. Now let's get into today's message.
0: Seeing the wondrous love of Jesus, seeing his mercy and grace, in the mansion, bright or blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. I can see the light coming, I can see the day dawning, when we all get to heaven day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus sing and shout the victory when we all shout the victory when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see Jesus sing and shout the victory sing and shout the victory
1: I want to preach this morning about our walk with Christ. Our walk with Christ starts with faith and belief. Amen. Our walk in Christ starts with that, but that's not the end. James 2 and 9 says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. James in his boldness says, good for you. The King James actually puts an exclamation point next to it. Good for you. We get to the point where we just say, oh, I believe there's a God, and we give ourselves up. Good for you. James doesn't stop there. He continues and says, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Yeah. He goes on, and he, he continues, and we'll, we'll get there in just a minute, but belief is not the end. It's the essence of the start. How would we go on? He would go on to say, James would go on to say, faith without works, is dead. You know why he would say that? Because if we just have belief and nothing more, there's not much going on. Can I tell you this morning, we, we didn't come to this place just to have a little bit of prayer. We come to this place this morning to walk in the boldness of prayer. We didn't come into the house just to watch the praise singers sing. We came into the house to lift up praise and the Lord Almighty. We didn't just come to come together. We came because the presence of the King has invited us into the house. If you are here this morning and you have belief, you are alive. Everybody say I'm alive. Because the Bible tells us that we have all been given a measure of faith. You don't have to look for it. You don't have been planted deep inside your soul. Where are you getting with this this morning, pastor? Where I'm getting this morning is faith isn't enough to drive. Faith isn't enough to move. Faith isn't enough to get you out of your seat because faith brought you and put you in the seat. The question is, and the the response is today, before I even get into the message, what is going to persuade you to move? What is going to persuade you to take that faith and go, God, I see nothing in front of me but I'm going to step. See, I'm not preaching to new people just this morning. Because a lot of times, church, we say, well, they must be preaching to the ones that just showed up today. And I'm not. Because faith in a step is the same for a new person as it is for somebody that's been here 40 years. Now, this building ain't been here 40 years, but some of you have been here longer than 40 years. And what happens is, is we start thinking that the preacher's only preaching to so and so and such and such. And they're the new people that signed in on the list. And all the pressure now goes to them. And so all the while, we're watching as a church of what the new people are doing. Can I tell you the new people are watching what the church is doing? And if the church is sitting here in faith going, Boy, I hope they move because I'm really waiting for an exciting service. The new people are going, Well, this place is dead. Why aren't they moving? That's not who we're called to be. We're called to be people of faith. And I just told you, you all have a measure of it. So why don't we start stepping with it? Why don't we stop worrying about what's in front and just going, God's got it. God's got it. Because I'll tell you what will happen. I'll tell you what will happen. It's already starting to happen. There's not enough seats in this building. There's not enough. Some of you, some of you are going to come in here on a Sunday and you're going to have to stand against the wall. Can I tell you in the Bible that there was a man, and I'm I'm just all over the place this morning. There was a preacher, and he was preaching, and he preached so long that a kid fell out the window. That's what we're going to have. We're going to have people that are going to have to sit back in the back, and they're going to have to step out, and we're going to have to make room because that's what God is doing in this time and in this hour. Can I get an amen? But it's time for the church to stop sitting on their hands and stop sitting on their faith. And it's time for that faith to start being activated so that we can step into it. What persuades us to step this morning? What persuaded you to come to the house of the Lord this morning? Is it because you told somebody you were coming? Is it because you didn't want to disappoint your attendance record that has been impeccable for the month? What persuaded you to come to the house? Did you come to the house because you wanted to see a miracle? Because I believe miracles can take place in this altar and in this house this morning. Did you come to the house because you wanted to see the Almighty God move the only way that the Almighty God can move? What persuaded you this morning? We all were persuaded. I talked to two individuals this morning. Did you know it's cold outside? And do you know the best place to be when it's cold outside? Inside under a blanket. Now, I'm just going to tell you, because it's already starting to heat up. I'm going to get to sweating here pretty soon. And all of you are just going to be sitting there in comfort. (laughs) You getting hot already, too? He's already hot. It's starting to spread that way. But I'm just telling you, when we get comfortable, we, we allow our faith to stop being activated. And God didn't call us here. I didn't just come. Not have a service. I came here to be encountered by God, and that's what persuaded me to come this morning. You know, I still believe that chains can be loosed in people's lives. I still believe that the blind can see. I still believe that the dead can come back to life. I still believe in the power of the Almighty Jesus Christ. That's what persuaded me to come this morning. You said, Well, you're the pastor, you have to come. Do I? Do I? Because I just got done telling you, I'd rather be the guy behind the bush than the guy standing behind the pulpit. Do I? Because the same thing that persuades me has to be what persuades us. Because when he does, who knows what's going to happen? It's all a possibility and it's all open for us to to be partakers of. So this morning I want to go to the book of Romans. If you'd stand with me for real quick this morning. I want to go to Romans 8. And I want to read the King James version 35 through 39. Paul says this to the church of Rome. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. Everybody say yay. For, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. No. The King James says nay, but it means no. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Somebody hear it. If you don't hear anything else this morning, you hear this before I go, go on. He said, listen, what shall separate us? Shall tribulation, shall distress. It sounds horrible, Right. Shall, shall we be taken for the slaughter as sheep? Aren't we sheep sometimes? Some of us are donkeys. Raise your hand if you're a donkey. But most of us, yeah, me, me and you both right there, brother. Some of us, the rest of us are like sheep. You know why? Because we follow each other. We just have this collectability to be sheep. And he says, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then he continues, and it's what I want to preach this morning. He says, for I am persuaded. Everybody say persuaded. That neither death nor life. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in our Lord Christ Jesus. Amen. He puts a list together of nothing that would be able to separate it. And he starts off by saying, I am persuaded. Somebody in here today needs to stop sitting like a turtle on the fence post. You got to get down and you got to be persuaded. You got to be persuaded to press in to the kingdom. Pray with me this morning. Lord Jesus we thank you so much God for the privilege to be in your house today Lord I I thank you for orchestrating and setting up this service God I, I pray Lord you didn't bring us here by accident today God but you brought us here God to activate our faith God and to move us from the position that we are in Lord I pray God that you would begin to move from the front of the house to the back God that persuasion would begin to take control of us God and we would begin to be activated and step into the unknown God because we know that you control all of it in your hand Lord and in Jesus name we pray amen you can be seated once again I want to preach what is persuading you it is a bold statement made by the apostle Paul I am persuaded if you wanted to break it down even further persuasion means I am convinced through reasoning I don't bring you here this morning to wow you with my enticing speech. I have an education, but it's not one of the English grammar. Sometimes I make up words like shooken. Right, honey? My wife will tell me you made up four words in service today. It was wonderful, but nobody has any idea what you just said. I don't bring you here to persuade you with speech this morning. I bring you here to show you the word because it's the physical, active life of Jesus Christ that is going to persuade you. It's not my life, it's not Sayo's, it's not Cindy's, but it's the power of the Almighty God. And if it ever gets you, ever get tired of hearing it, oh, you better check yourself. You better check yourself because it's in that almighty power that things begin to move. The NLT actually uses the word convinced instead of persuaded. Paul was convinced. Paul, the apostle, was convinced. Before I move into my sermon, I want to make something clear from the book, the eighth book of Romans. Every bit of what Paul is saying is fact. I can testify to it in my own life, but you're not here for that this morning, but I will share a little with you later on. Every bit that he sang, time and time again, Paul was not worthy, but time and time again, God shed his grace and his love down upon Paul. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Amen. Here's the key, though. You got to be in God. I don't want to confuse anybody this morning. I don't, wanna, I don't want to misshape anything this morning because if you're not careful, misshaping can take place easily in the Scripture. And I don't want to misshape anything. I clearly want to communicate the Scripture and what Paul is saying this morning because Paul is talking from a place of salvation, of knowing Jesus Christ personally in his life. He is not talking a place of community of knowledge. He is talking a place of personal commitment to Christ and it's in that place. He said, nothing can separate me. If you are here this morning and you're sitting on a fence with your salvation, it's time to get off the fence and it's time to take a step. It's time to get off this fence and it's time to make a decision. You say, well, I'm not doing it for your words and good. I don't want you to. What I'm here is a preacher standing in front of you with the decision of heaven or hell. You say, well, why you preach that the last couple weeks, because this thing is wrapping up so quick and I'm not going to miss an opportunity to tell somebody about heaven or hell. And when you're sitting on the fence of your salvation, your soul lingers in the balance of which way. Am I persuaded? Am I persuading towards or am I persuading away? Can I tell you, this world has a lot of nice things. It has a lot of nice stuff. I'm not going to lie. Nobody? (laughs) It has a lot of nice stuff. I told you. I'm here to tell you the truth. There's a lot of things out there that will catch your eye. There's a lot of stuff. But can I tell you, there's nothing that compares to your salvation. There's nothing that compares to your eternal soul. My voice. I don't know going on it's getting cracked a little high maybe somebody needs to hear it at a different pitch I wish it would change but hey I'm way up there I'll try to calm myself down just a little bit but I'm getting excited I'm getting excited because hell wasn't meant for anybody but because of stubbornness and humanity Because of the skewedness of the word, because we started to shave a little bit of the word off like a sandwich at the sandwich shop. We started to say, well, that fits me better. That fits me better. It's not in the word. Paul, when he's talking about nothing can separate us, he's talking from a position of understanding. He's talking from that position. Why are you starting this way this morning? Because I don't want to get through my message. And you think that nothing can separate me from the love. Because nothing's convinced you yet of the love. Because when we're convinced of the love, repentance is just a vehicle to get me to the relationship. When we're convinced and persuaded of the love, the water is just water that I go down in. No, it's the saving power of the only name whereby we must be saved. And there's nothing that should prevent me from it. The Holy Spirit isn't just some unknown thing, it's the Almighty God residing inside of me because it changes. The persuasion changes. Our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But when we look at Paul, I'll jump. I just wanted to throw that in there for a minute because I don't want to confuse anybody on your salvation because only you know your salvation. We don't have an attendance record of who's saved and who's not saved. That's up in heaven. It's a part of our personal jobs to know where we are at in our own walk with Christ. But when we look over the life of Paul, you can't help but notice the persuasion of God's grace And mercy revealed to Paul time and time again from place to place. And it's from that place that he makes this statement Paul, I am. Persuaded, he says. He was persuaded time and time again by the love of Jesus Christ. You don't get to know God and you say, well, I hope down the road our relationship grows. No, it's at that point of interaction where you say, Lord, I am now persuaded to follow. That faith now becomes action. That life that was once built on a kingdom for yourself is now built upon supplying a kingdom. For Christ, who you once were, is now laid down to who He once was and is today. Amen? That same love is still reaching out to us this morning, persuading us that His love is for all of us. Hear me this morning. His love is for all of us this morning. Not just those in this room, but those outside of this room. Those that walk our jobs. Those that walk our streets. His love is for all of them. To the extent that He left His apostles the plan of salvation. God wrapped Himself in flesh and went to the cross for our sins. The one who knew no sin taking on the sin of the world. It's already been done. We're sitting here today, 2,000 plus years later, able to bask. In His glory. Because He already went and died for that sin to be redeemed. It's already done. The atonement has already been paid. Anybody have bills in this room? Man, wouldn't it be great if you went to pay your mortgage or your rent and somebody said, well, that's already been paid. You'd shout, wouldn't you? Now imagine all your sins are washed clean. Come on, there isn't anything greater than that. You can say one month of mortgage and one month of rent. That's great. But a life saved in Jesus Christ is an eternal salvation before the throne. The atonement has already been paid. The only thing preventing us from receiving it is our persuasion. Again, I'm not here to persuade. I've already persuaded myself. That's all I can do. What I'm here to do is show the Word and to show what God has before of it. It's why my title is formed the way it is this morning. What's persuading you? What is persuading you? Something persuaded you to come to the church this morning. We've already established that. Maybe it was a spouse. I remember, I'll tell her myself all morning this morning, so you guys can really see I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I remember... When I first began to know the Lord, some of you are looking like, man, I got to find another place to go. <laughs> he really has no idea. I think in having no idea, it's better because in my weakness, He is made strong. But that's just, that's just me. I remember when I first got into church and, and uh, my, my walk began to go with God, and, and, and I had no idea that you were supposed to go to church on Sunday. I did, but it wasn't commitment and it wasn't in my life. And my wife would, she would not nudge me. We got to go. And I would go because I loved her. I mean, look look at her. She's beautiful. And I would go because she was the persuasion. Come on, you with me this morning? Anybody here? So, sometimes persuasion doesn't come from here. Sometimes it comes from over here. Sometimes it comes from right, right there. And so my question this morning is, what is persuading you? Because if you're not here for you, and you're being persuaded by somebody else, where are you... Because my wife, as much as she could persuade me to get to the house of the Lord, she couldn't persuade me to find a place at an altar and pray to repent my sins. As much as she wanted to hold my head down in those baptismal waters. Come on, Lord, one more breath. Come out of his body. He needs to repent a little bit longer, oh God. As much as she wanted to do that, she couldn't do it. Because it was my, it was my decision and my decision is loan. Church is great as a corporate place. I told you that. Because when the church is moving and faith is moving, chains begin to fall. How blind eyes begin to see. I've told you all that. But it takes the whole body to move. How do you want to be a finger moving all by yourself? No, you want the arm to be stretching with you. You want the shoulder to be activated. You want the heart to be pumping. And it takes each and every one of us to do that. It's why I'm not just speaking to one person today, but to the body. What persuades you? What is it? Persuasion is all around. Turn on your radio. Does anybody listen to the radio anymore? Turn on Spotify. Maybe you have Spotify and you can't afford the premium package. So right in the middle of your worship set, a commercial comes on. Right every time you start to go before the throne, Spotify, a commercial busts in and you're like, oh, I'm hungry now. I got to go get something to eat. You're persuaded by what you hear. Commercials persuade you to buy. Commercials persuade you to go drive down Veterans Parkway. There isn't a stretch of Parkway that you can't drive that there's not billboards. They're persuading you for certain things. They're billboards. Sometimes you're driving down the highway and there's a billboard and you see it and you go, oh my goodness. Just me, I guess. I'm the only one that drives down the highway. Man, you guys are all perfect. Let me just close this thing down. But persuasion is all around. Nobody has this here, but open up your social media. There's influencers. You know what their job is? it's to influence you or persuade you to do the things that they do right. it's in our classrooms and our kids our kids are constantly being persuaded in one direction or another as parents we have this much time to persuade and the world has this much time. so what's persuading you this morning what is it Are you persuaded by the law? Are you persuaded by love? Because when Paul talks, he's talking about the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing can separate me from the love of Christ. What is persuading you this morning? Forget the three I listed. How about just the vast division in the world right now? Our world is divided like never before. I'm starting to say these things like I'm old and I'm not that old. But it's divided like it's never been divided before. There are massive attempts to convince or persuade people to pick a side. You know what the church has done? The church has picked sides. Can I tell you that's not the place of the church? The place of the church is to be right down the middle. And it's to be right down the middle in love going, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. You know why? Because that's what Jesus did. He ain't with the prostitutes. He ain't with the tax collectors. And that's our job, church, to be right down the middle and to spread that love. And you're saying, why is this relevant? Because what's persuading you? Because if you're being persuaded by the far right or the far left, you're missing what God wants to do. I'm not, I'm not going to ever preach anything different because that's the way it is. Because when we start being persuaded by worldliness, we miss heaven we miss the kingdom. We miss the work of the kingdom. But there's massive attempts. There are protests. There are marches. There are sit-ins. There's strikes. There's debates. All designed to persuade an individual to choose. It was out of the Greek language. It was out of the Greek society that our laws and our justice department comes out of. Because this word, persuasion. This word, appellate, these words that mean convincing because there's convincing that needs to take place. There's persuasion that is trying to move through the house this morning. Right now as I'm preaching, your mind is being activated in persuasion. It's going, am I going to believe what this guy has to say or am I going to go on what I know? It's persuasive. Depending on how good you are, you can probably outpersuade me. But I will tell you, If you give Jesus Christ a chance, you will never outpersuade him. Because the Bible says, buy the truth and sell it not. Because it is that good. It is that glorious. It is that great that when you buy in, you will become a drug addict that is now a pastor of a church. You will become an alcoholic that shouldn't be here that's now a pastor of a church. Oh, you don't want me to get personal. Let me get into Paul real quick and then I'll get personal. Protest marches, to choose something in that moment that will make you feel good, but in the end you have no eternal glorification or connection. I'm telling you, there are things in this world that for a moment will make you feel good. There is praise in this world that for a moment will make you feel like the king of all kings. There is stuff in this world that will make you feel like you are on top of it all. But it only lasts for a moment. Paul knew it. Paul knew it and Paul would say it time and time again. It's why he got to this stance. I am persuaded because he had looked at both sides. He had examined the evidence and he said, nope, nothing. Nothing can move me. Nothing can take me from this mark because I am in Jesus' hands. And when I am in His hands, there isn't anything that can remove me from His hand because that's how good God is. It's why the church body is so important and why our personal relationship with Christ is so vital because if we're just a body without personal relationships, we've missed it. But when that personal connection comes in, the culture of the world is ever-changing, but the Word never changes. Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You don't need the Scriptures because you've heard them before. It's why I love the Bible so much. None of what we are experiencing is new. The, apostle, the apostles, Paul, they all lived through this. Paul, before he would go on to write the letters to the Roman church that make the book of Rome, was named Saul. Saul was against the church. Everybody say amen. He was against it. He didn't want anything to do with the church. Saul was a part of the Pharisees that considered Jesus and his followers doing blasphemy. That's where Saul was when he started. Saul didn't start off as Paul. He started out as somebody that said, you people are crazy. You people are nuts. You people are terrorists. Turning the world upside down is what the apostles were. That's what they were. And Paul said, you're making my life miserable. And I'm going to come, and I'm going to find you, and I'm going to persecute you, and I'm going to murder you. It was Paul that was at Stephen's death. It was Paul that threw stones at Stephen's death. It was Paul that was in the room that was there witnessing the murder of Stephen. It was Paul that went from house to house in Jerusalem, pushing the church out it was Paul Saul. it was Saul it was Saul and you could say why would God do that Why, why would God let that take place because what the enemy tried to use for evil God used for his good because the church couldn't stay in Jerusalem the church had to spread out so it got a little uneasy when you're getting a little uneasy in your life it doesn't always mean the devil's trying to beat you up sometimes it means God wants to move you Sometimes it means God wants to push you somewhere. Sometimes it means God wants to take you from a place that your feet have been steadily positioned in to a step right next to it. Sometimes, and when we look at Paul's life, it's exact when we look at Saul's life, it's exactly what happened. He participated in the stoning, he was part of the persecution, all a part of God's plan. And now Saul was on this road to Damascus. I don't have time to go through the story, but read the book of Acts, read the ninth chapter in the book of Acts, and it says this and nine and one. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath. You ever been angry? You ever been angry to the point that you just go.
0: You ever, anybody
1: ever do that? Jay does. <laughs> so picture it. Because I like to make the Bible come alive. When you just read it and it is what it is. No, put yourself in it. Paul is upset. He's mad. Because everything that he has known throughout his life is being turned upside down. The law that he was a staunch follower of had been turned upside down and he who thought he was following the Lord his whole entire life Jesus was right next to him and he didn't even recognize him and so he is following what he thinks but in that following there's nothing but anger coming out of him oh I'm gonna get these oh I'm I'm just I'm just he doesn't even have words he's like me making up words on this road to Damascus And he's got these people that he's leading and they're just following behind him like, yeah, we're going to get them. Saul, we're going to get them. And all of a sudden the Lord shines down in only the way that God can. And he blinds Paul on the road to Damascus. In his anger, he blinds him. What does Paul do? Paul says, who is it? Is that you, Lord? Because now he can't see. Because faith is the substance of things. Come on now. Substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. Somebody in here is persuaded with their natural vision. And God's saying, don't make me blind you, because if I have to blind you, I'm going to heal you. But it's the only way you're going to be able to see. We're fighting. He says, why do you kick against me, Paul? Why do you kick against me? And Paul says, is that you, Lord? And he says, yes, it is. Rise. And go meet a man named Ananias. Paul. Paul could have stayed there. Hear me. Because I'm talking about persuasion. Paul could have stayed there. He could have stayed in the state that he was in. He could have stayed in his position. He could have said, I'm right, God. You're wrong. I don't even know who's talking to me right now. But I've got a job and I've got a plan. But he didn't. He was persuaded because of a voice and a relationship that began to take place. And he went and found Ananias. And he went and Ananias prayed and his eyes were opened. He was baptized in the name of Jesus and he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Paul, Paul who would later go on and say, I speak in tongues more than any of you. Paul who wasn't afraid of the gospel for I am not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It started on a road. He had to say, God, maybe I'm not doing the right thing, God, but show me. And God showed him and a relationship began to be formed. And he began to change, and his name was changed to Paul, who we all know as the Apostle Paul. Three missionary journeys, great letters, great epistles in our Bible, works that people say, the greatest missionary that ever lived or ever will live, the Apostle Paul. And we take and we place him up on this pedestal. Some even call him a saint. And we place him up so high. But it's in that persuasion that we first find him. Because it's in his blindedness that he has to be persuaded about this relationship, whether he's going to go or whether he's going to stay. You ever been at the fork? Which way am I going, God? What am I doing? Because you're sitting at it right here today. We are all sitting at it. I myself am standing, but I myself am sitting at it. Because it's a decision. Because every day we're faced with persuasion. What am I going to do? It's Monday. It's Monday. I don't feel good. Am I going to stay in bed all day? Or am I going to get up and read my word? Am I going to find myself on my knees in prayer? It's Tuesday. What am I going to do today? How am I going to be persuaded? How am I going to be persuaded on Wednesday? On Thursday? In times. it Sometimes it gets a little bit long. Am I going to be persuaded to be in the Word? How's it going to go on Friday? On Saturday? Am I going to be persuaded back into the house of the Lord on Sunday? Because every day there's a persuasion. And every day we make a choice. Every day we walk in God, it becomes easier. But every day we walk in the world, it becomes easier as well. You hear me? For all of his life, Saul was a persecutor of the church for all of his life and in that one persuasion that he chose Christ everything changed hear me everything changed in that one moment what do you read about after he's prayed for Ananias he gets with the body he gets with the church he starts gleaning in the church he already had the word He already knew the scripture. He starts gleaning everything he can from those around him. And then he says, hey, let me get somebody. Hey, Paul, why don't you and Barnabas go out? And they're dismissed out for the first journey, then the second journey, and then the third journey. And all of this, Paul is writing these letters of great feats of what he's doing. And it all came to that one point of persuasion. Paul, are you going to be persuaded to follow me, Paul? Are you going to be persuaded to fight against me? Somebody in here, you're fighting against God, and you're fighting really hard. And he's saying, I'm not trying to fight against you, but you're kicking against the work that I'm trying to do. And it's only you that's suffering for it, because everything around you, every place around you, everything is growing the way that I intend. But as you kick and kick and kick, you're just fighting against what I'm trying to do and it's a hard decision. It's a hard decision. I don't I don't make light of the decision. I don't make light of the choice here today and I don't want you to think that it's just a willy-nilly decision because it's not. It's a life altering decision. I'll tell you a little bit about my life and my testimony. Very fitting on pastor appreciation, you will really begin to know the guy behind the suit. I told you I wasn't raised in church all my life. And this is no reflection of me or my parents or anything like that. What it is is the reflection of how good God is. Please don't misrepresent what I'm saying today. I got to a point where where my walk began to begin my personal walk. And I'm talking about in the world. And I went to college. And I got in college, and I did what all people do is what I thought when you go to college. My daughter's in college right now, and I hope she listens to this, and she better not be doing any of this stuff. She's at a Bible college. It'll make it even worse. (laughs) I got to college, and my parents weren't there to tell me what was right or wrong. And it started with one thing. And then it was another, and then it was another, and then it was another. And then it was a different substance after different substance after different substance. It went up my nose. It went in my mouth. It went wherever that substance needed to go. All a part of me. All digest. And I'm not saying this to to, to get credit or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. I'm trying to tell you where God's brought me from. I was on a road. I was on a road to Damascus to persecute the church because I didn't want nobody. And I'm on this road, and it was a long road. I was on the road for two plus years. Two plus years living out in the world. I meet my wife. She was raised in church, but she wasn't in church. We met outside. Thank God she's my angel. She's my angel that God sent to save me. People can impact you. Please hear me people can persuade you but it's God that ultimately has to be that choice people can bring you in don't lose sight of that if somebody brought you here today that's your angel that is your angel trying to introduce you to God she took me to the church to a church I told Ann about this before church started she took me to a Pentecostal church the one on 2810 tractor lane before it moved into the new building and it was, a, it was a small crowd just like this. I sat in the back row where Malik's sitting today. And they started to sing, and they started to play, and those people started to throw their hands up and do some of this and do a little bit of this. And I said, what in the world is this? Because God's got a sense of humor, does he not? That's what Pentecostals are, God's sense of humor. Come on now, because he put power in people that are crazy. I mean, who would do something like that but somebody that's got a sense of humor? And so we go to this church in Sharona. Dusty's mom is there, and we're sitting in the back row, and they're on each side of me. And they start doing testimony. We don't do that anymore for this reason. I will never have testimony. No, I'm just kidding. It started going around the rows, and it started snaking to the back. And just like Malik's eyes, I thought it was going to come to me. And I said, we got to get out of here. And thankfully, God is alive because that testimony, it shifted and went somewhere else because it would have scarred me to death. And we leave. And I say, I don't want no part of that. And I went back to my life. We went back to the life we were living at the time, a life in the world, a life of substance, a life of things. And we lived in it. And I went down. This is how persuasion happens because I went down to St. Louis where the pastor of 2810, Pastor Brad Knave, he was an assistant pastor at the time. He's my pastor. He's a great guy. If you don't go to church here, you better go to church over there. That's all I'm saying. But he was there and he didn't even preach that morning. The preacher preached and I'm sitting here and my mother-in-law and my wife is on this side and there's an altar call that happens and I couldn't help it. I just had to go. And I just fell on my knees, and I repented, and I received the Holy Ghost. And then guess what? I was baptized in Jesus' name. Because how can you deny the water if you're filled with the Spirit? Hear me. Persuasion. Persuasion. then I went home. Then I went home. This is where it's real. This is where I'm trying to be real with somebody. This is where I'm trying to be real because the power of God was evident in my life. But I went back home. And when I went back home, guess what was there? My stuff. It didn't, God didn't go clean out my house. Can you believe that? I got home, actually. I got even to the car. I didn't even get all the way to the house. I just got to the car. I opened the door, and I'm like, well, this is still here. It must be okay. It's not. It's not. And so from that point on, persuasion. And it was this way, and it was that way. Hear me, hear me. Because it's a one-time event to get you to hear, but it's a lifetime of persuasion to walk with Jesus Christ. It's easy. It's easy for me to preach to a new person in the house this morning and just say, you got to get in the waters, you got to get in the waters, all while the church sits there and does nothing. I'm telling you, persuasion isn't just for a new or somebody that's coming back. Persuasion is for the church, a daily commitment of walking. Somebody here needs to declare that this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, Paul had a decision. Am I going to be persuaded by my past, or am I going to be persuaded by the right now? Because the past in him was, you killed Christians. The past in him was, you persecuted Jesus. The past in him was, you're no good. But it was in that moment that he declared what the psalmist declared in 118. This is the day that the Lord has made. Too many, too many of us are living back there. You're living in that past. It's way back there. But every day you wake up, you're persuaded by your past decisions. And God has sent me here this morning to tell you that those decisions do not matter. They didn't matter then and they don't matter now. What matters is the way you walk forward from here. Because that's the way persuasion works. You can't be persuaded to change the past. There still is no time traveling machine. You can only be persuaded to how you're going to live tomorrow and right now. That's the only persuasion that needs to be made. So again this morning, what is persuading you? Decision, shame, doubt, frustration, lost. All attempting to persuade you're right now. These waters of baptism are warm. This altar is open and it's empty. But what persuades you from staying in your seat right now? What persuades you is me, because I have the microphone. And you think it would be rude to get up and just begin to come and pray. Can I tell you that God doesn't care how I have this microphone. When He begins to move and persuasion begins to take place, it doesn't matter what's going on around you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about persuasion this morning. We've got too churched. We've got too churched and too comfortable not allowing the Spirit to move. You say, well, pastor, if I felt persuaded to come to that altar, people would think I'm crazy. You're right, they would. But you know what they would also think? That individual has a heart for God, and they don't care what's going on. And you know what that would do? That would start a fire. Start a fire so big, it wouldn't even be able to be contained, because it would be persuasion to the point of personal commitment and personal relationship. It was Paul's past. That tried to deter his persuasion. But it was also Paul's present and Paul's future. Paul would tell you he was shipwrecked. Paul would tell you he was stoned and left for dead. Paul would tell you he had been lost at sea. Paul would tell you he had been ran out of towns. Paul would tell you he was hated, he was arrested, and on and on and on and on. I realize that when we look at our life, we have real heavy stuff taking place in our life. But none of it compares to being stoned and left for dead. None of it compares. I don't think there's anybody in here that's ever been shipwrecked. None of it compares. But in our own self, it's real and it's heavy. And I'm not denying it. But what can happen is God can persuade us to move out of that. Only God, when we try to reason it, when we try to do it ourselves, it's just the same situation time and time and time again. His his situations were not great enough to persuade him from the love of God. His proximity to death was not great enough to persuade him from the love of God. Stand with me this morning. So what is persuading you this morning? When was the last time we allowed God to show us? The psalmist would say in Psalms 34 and 8, Taste and see that the Lord, He is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. It's a a decision. It's a persuasion that God is trying to move us to where He wants us to be this morning. It was on the day of Pentecost when Peter stepped to the window and he preached Jesus to the Jews in the streets. They said, these men are drunk. They're drunkards. And Peter said, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. We can't be drunk right now. And they said, what matter is this? We hear you speaking in our own language. And he began to share with them the gospel. And he began to share with them Jesus. And this is what the Bible says in Acts 2, 37-41. Now when they heard this, They were persuaded. The Bible says they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's great, but he didn't stop. For this promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all who are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did He testify and exhort, saying, save yourself from this untoward generation. I've come to you this morning to ask you, who are you persuaded by? Because there is an untoward world that is leading to death and destruction. And it's only a decision that we can make today To decide whether we're going to serve Christ or not. I'm going to have our musicians come. The scripture continues in 41. And it says, Then they that gladly received. Perception moved them. Persuasion moved them. I'm sorry. It moved them to receive. Faith was already there. But it moved them to step and to receive. It moved them to be baptized. And they were added to the church. 3,000 souls that day, the Bible said. So what is persuading you this morning? Is God persuading you? Or is this world... Is your past persuading you? Or is the God of your right now persuading you? Where do you stand at today at this time of altar? Where do you stand at today in your point of persuasion? These altars are open this morning. If God is calling you out, why don't you step out in the seat? If He's calling you not, stay right there where you're at and begin to pray and seek Him right where you are this morning. Come on, let's turn this whole place into a house of prayer this morning. Come on, don't let the Word go unanswered this morning. Come on, God's persuading. Whether it's a small step or whether it's a big step, as long as it's a step towards God, that's all that matters. Come on, He's calling out to the church today. Neither height nor depth, neither principalities or angels can separate us from His love. Come on, let's find ourselves in His love today. Come on, if you don't have a prayer by yourself, find somebody to pray with also today. Come on, let's pray together. if we could all stand this morning if you're still if you're still praying you don't have to stop praying i was praying before i came this morning about my clothes and and the 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 pressure that comes with persuasion because there's a lot of pressure right whether you're gonna make this choice or you're gonna make that. There's a lot of a lot of pressure, and, and some of us are, are cerebral and we don't like to make choices right, right in the moment. But here's what I know from just in the natural. When I drive down the road and I see that Big Mac sign or those golden arches, it's usually not till I'm past it where I realize that I'm hungry for it. You hear what I'm saying this morning? This this word didn't just go out for you to only respond today, but God has is is putting something in us of a of a persuasive nature to persuade us that He has not ever left us and He has not ever forsook us. No matter how far we go, to the left or to the right, God has always been there time and time again. He's showing and all He's doing today is reminding you with an outstretched hand to say I'm still here. My love's never left. My love's never faded. There is nothing that can take my love for you away. Pray with me this morning.
2: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the church. We hope you feel encouraged by the words you have heard today and would love the opportunity to get to meet you in person if you ever find yourself in normal Illinois. For more information on what's happening and to discover ways to connect, be sure to subscribe to our podcast and never miss a service. Also, follow us on social media. Find us on Instagram by searching thechurch.normalil or on Facebook by searching the church. Direct links can be found in the show notes.